Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 23. I'm Michael John Simpson. Our guest is 3D graphic artist and creature modeler Anastasios Jonas. Tazo and I have been friends for years. We sat down to talk about live podcasts, Bones and Anatomy, Warner Brothers cartoons, Robert McKimson, Growing Up Greek in America, Cyrillic versus Greek script, celebrity impersonations, 3D character modeling, digital creature rigging, CG versus practical effects, Alien, Stan Winston, and Legacy Effects, 90s Animation, 3D Digital Sculpting, The Strain, The Seventh Sun, Japanese Anime, Nerd Culture, Metal Music, Video Games, Greek Mythology, Ray Harryhausen, and Silent Hill. Hold on to your butts. Here's episode 23 of the Something Something Experience. How was that? It was good. Yeah, it was a fun show. Yeah. yeah, Kevin Smith, Ralph Garman. Yeah, yeah, funny. yeah, yeah. I've I've uh, I've heard their podcast a few times. I haven't been been to a taping though. Um, I think Danny and I are going to head to uh, the Bar Lubitsch on uh, Wednesday for uh, Greg Proops. So he does a podcast called The Smartest Man in the World, and we're going to go and uh, yeah, he does. Um, he plays all basically. He turns the stand up shows into podcasts because he kind of does this whole thing of. Um, all his podcasts are live. Occasionally, he'll record one by himself at home. Kidding now, and uh, that's the uh, that's the trial and tribulation of recording a podcast at the house. The cats. Get a bit, he, he, she's your Shecky. Yeah, she wants uh, attention. Um, but he he basically turns his stand up act into um into a podcast, and he does like a live show, and he'll. Uh, He'll tell right stand-up jokes, mm-hmm. basically just kind of riffs about his day yeah. or the week leading up to when mm-hmm. you know the town he's in or whatever. And then he, people bring him gifts all the time to the shows, mm-hmm. and then he goes through that, and then he right. reads some letters, and then he goes, "Well, we should really start the show." And then he kind of does some kind of mm-hmm. politically, you know, politically charged news yeah. commentary kind of stuff, and then uh, and then, but then he kind of kind of mixes it up. So I'm looking forward to see that. I've always liked Greg Proops. So. Right on. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, my first introduction to him was his stand-up, and then also uh, later on on that, forget that show right now. That Whose he, Line Is It Anyway? Yes, yes. that one. Yeah. yeah, my introduction to Greg was, yeah, it was on Whose Line, but the original British Whose Line, when they played it on Comedy Central back in the late 90s, mid, yeah. mid-90s probably. Yeah. Yeah, when they first started playing that, yeah. Um, when it was a, when it was still a British import, you know. From, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, that was my introdu- introduction to him, and then and then hearing him doing voiceovers and stuff for all different kinds of mm-hmm. companies, and he was in Star Wars. Yes, and, the yeah, two-headed so, monster. Yeah, yeah, the two-headed, uh, yeah, the sports announcer. Yeah, which is kind of a departure for him. Kind of funny. He's got but the voice uh, yeah, so. Uh, what uh, what have you been uh, doing? What have you been working on? We don't I don't we we don't go out to the clubs lately because we're saving up to buy a house. But what do you? Uh, Same here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're saving up to buy a house. Well, I bought a house already. Oh, you bought a house. Cool. Two, about two years ago, I have out, but I'm saving up to get work done on it. Oh, nice, nice. Just, I just had a porch put in the backyard. Cool. And right now, it's just a matter of saving up to get front lawn, back lawn. I mean, I have a whole thing to do. It's, a, it's right. It's just it's gonna be a lifetime thing, basically. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, but it's pretty nice. I've been, you know, working on the house. Uh, I just got a new bookshelf yesterday. Cool. Oh, actually, my mom got it for me for my birthday. So um, you know, you've truly reached adulthood when you get excited about pieces of furniture. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of look at this new CD I bought, look at this new um, car, look at this new. It's more like, oh wow, we got a new couch. Ooh, yay! You know, 
Yeah. Let's have a party. <laughs> exactly. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Just having having my own place. It's been a dream of mine. I've been saving up 13 years for this wow. very reason. Wow. Okay. So I've been living below my means for years, just saving up, saving up, saving up, and then it's been a dream of mine, and I finally did it. So it's great having my own place and decorating it my way. And it's kind of funny because I live right across from a church. <laughs> so I, I remember when I last year, last uh, Monster Palooza, I bought this huge ram skull. Nice. With these giant horns. And nice. the, I, I remember seeing people from the church across the street looking at me as I was carrying it in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I love, and mm. I, I love collecting bones. I think, they're, I think bones and skulls in particular are just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I love the shapes. They're just yeah, yeah. Like angles and curves. I mean, I'm, there's I'm really just always... nothing else like them. I mean, yeah. You, you, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Sometimes there are man-made things that are kind of like that. But yeah, yeah. I don't know where I'm really going with this. But yeah, no. I, I get what you mean about the kind of the mystique of of skeletons and bones, and yeah. that's always been interesting. And and it's 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 well, it's it's kind of iconic. And 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 uh, yeah, I mean, even when we were little kids, mm-hmm. we would play like on the playground, and and we would have a thing where you know we're playing superheroes or something mm-hmm. like that, and we we would we would do this thing where like. Like we got hit with the death ray, and then so then we were skeletons. We would lay on the ground and be all stiff, and then open our open our mouths, but right. have our teeth so you could see our teeth. Yeah, it's like what are you doing? I'm a skeleton. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Plus, also as an artist, uh, in particularly the kind of art I do, I want my creatures to be realistic. Yeah. So in order for that to work, I have to have a solid understanding of bones and anatomy. Sure. So if you understand what's going on underneath the underneath the skin, it gives you it gives your creatures as weird as they may be. A sense of reality. Sure. And they're grounded in reality. They look like they could exist. Sure. Even though they sure. might have multiple limbs and weird legs. Sure. They look like they could really be. So I also like to collect bones for that reason as well. And, of course, I, I have a catalog to bone clones. And they, they cast from real bones, and they give you these beautiful replicas. I have a European male skull from them. And it's it's great. It's great for studying. Oh, cool. As well, it just looks beautiful on my shelf. Nice, well. nice. Yeah, yeah. I always yeah. liked it. There, there was a, used to be a store on uh, on Melrose that had a bunch of bones and stuff in it, and you go yeah. in and they had real animal skull, uh, real animal skeletons for ne- sale. Necromance. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I'm a semi regular there. They kind of know me at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I bought a scapula, a human scapula from them. That's the only real human bone I own. Wow, I yeah. thought it was illegal to to, to sell. Real human bones. That's what I keep hearing, but I don't know how they do it, but they're right there on display. It's not like they hide them in the back or anything. No. Like right, right when you walk in, there's a show up, and there's human femurs, human skulls, which are really expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah. All kinds of bones for sale. And they, they do it. You know, I, I guess maybe they get them from universities. They have some sort of disclaimer there. It's illegal to sell bones from, like, undisclosed locations or something Sure, like sure, that. sure. I'm sure they have to document really yeah. well, really thoroughly, where yeah. they would... But I would imagine. I hope we're not getting them in trouble by talking. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, the, yeah. You know, hello, NSA. Sorry. No, they don't sell real bones. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, there. It, it's interesting you mentioned that, and the and and the the making in terms of art of making it look more realistic. Yeah. Uh, the skeletal structure underneath. Um, the, I've I've been there. I've had a lot of references to that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, in my listenership and my mm-hmm. my co- consumption of, of other podcasts and, and media and and talk about um, about uh, 
you know the art of creating creatures um, from from Jurassic Park to um, um, oh who was I t- was on another podcast of ours oh talking to uh, Brian Davis because oh, yeah. uh, he works at one. right because yeah and we talked about that that same thing about when he created you create a dragon and you you can see the skeleton moving mm-hmm. under the skin and it makes it look more real or the the Jurassic Park but also talking about just something as simple as a you know as a cartoon. And you look at the cartoons from the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. and people are the people in cartoons are very rubbery, mm-hmm. and 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 don't seem to really have yeah. a rigid structure per se all mm-hmm. the time. It's a it's a more of a fluid structure. Mm-hmm. But then um, Chuck Jones, and I also think that that um, in the Bugs Bunny world, most people's favorite is Chuck Jones mm-hmm. for, for for various reasons. Um, I was always a big fan of Bob McKimson, who. Um, did uh, a lot of the stuff that wound up uh, on it, it was in the movie theaters in the fifties, but then a lot of the stuff that was first on television. He was kind of the first Warner Brothers animator whose cartoons were intended for TV, um, and they did a lot of stuff about TV in the fifties and sixties. And but his he had that kind of thing as well. But he they were talking about Chuck Jones and like Bugs Bunny would go up and scratch his head, mm-hmm. and you could see the skin bunching up on his on his forehead. Yeah. Um, you know, and sliding over his skull, like you know, like a person, like a like a real like right. a real being, and that was an interesting thing. Whereas before, they would just go and whatever, yeah. and you you know, you didn't have that level of detail, but you had to draw with that in mind. Right. Yeah, and the thing that comes to mind particularly is that one. I'm sure you're familiar with that that one giant bulldog that means a tiny kitten. Yes. Yes. And how the cat kind of yes. lays into his back and just yeah. the flesh, the, the all, flesh just all just kind of bubbles, you know, kind yeah. of ripples around it, and then yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly. very believable. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although there was like three or four of those ones with the kitten, and those were Chuck Jones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I always liked Robert McKimson because I thought he made Bugs Bunny a little bit more of a badass, a little more, a little more devious, a little more evil. Yeah. Um, and his teeth were bigger. Bugs Bunny's teeth were really, really prominent with uh, with Robert McKimson. Robert McKimson did um, uh, Gorilla My Dreams and the one with the uh, um, the one. Um, Oh, what's it called? The one with the uh, Nature Boy, the little Aboriginal. He like B- Bugs Bunny gets taken by is flying in a balloon and gets hit by the stork and the no 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 different one. Sorry, completely. Yeah, that was Gorilla My Dreams where he gets delivered to the mm-hmm. to the gorilla parents as a baby. Then there was the one where he winds up in Australia and there's an Aboriginal chasing him mm-hmm. around. Um, there's a few other Bob McKimson ones, but those were always my favorite because Bugs Bunny's voice was a little tougher yeah. and and like that, but. The Chuck Jones stuff was was, was cool, but um, I always brought, liked it best when it was Robert McKimson. Robert yeah. McKimson also did a lot of the Yosemite Sam and that kind of stuff, okay. too. So. Yeah, I'm not familiar with his name, but I'm sure I've seen I've watched yeah. so many of those cartoons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've seen the the, 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 the breadth and, you know, the breadth and depth mm-hmm. of, of Bugs Bunny on yeah. television over the years or on DVD or whatever, yeah. you've definitely seen some Bob McKimson. But there's always been Chuck Jones collections. There's even been, like... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bob Clampett collections. There's never been a Robert McKimson collection. I've always okay. wanted to do that. The other uh, big ones for TV were the Freeling, uh, Fritz Freeling, mm-hmm. or Ignatz was his real name, but Fritz Freeling did a lot of uh, direction as well. Mm-hmm. He was one of the other, the big four pillars of Bugs yeah. Bunny or Warner Brothers cartoons was, mm-hmm. was uh, uh, you know, Bob Clampett. Uh, and and Chuck Jones, Bob McKimson, and Fritz Freeling all worked for Bob Clampett. They were all originally animators for Bob Clampett, yeah. and then they kind of branched off and did their own yeah. thing. So, mm-hmm. so right, 
Yeah, that the animation is like I I don't watch it as much anymore. I it's funny because I started my career in animation to doing cartoons. Right. I started at, uh, working on uh, shows like on Rocket Power. Okay. Back at Klasky Chupo, that was my actually that was my technically my second job. I, I was thinking about it today actually. What we're gonna talk about. My first gig was actually back in 1989. I was an animator for a show on Comedy Central that nobody saw called Frankly's for the Orient. Called what? Frankly's for the Orient. Oh. Yeah, it was. Wow, no, I, I'm not yeah, familiar with that. Like maybe a six or seven episodes. I worked at a, a small studio. It was a two story house in Hollywood that was converted <laughs> into a studio. <laughs> yep. Like you do. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of that, yeah. And that was my first gig ever. It was, but I was just still a cheeseball animator. I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but they thought it was good enough, and it was on Comedy Central. But it was a live action show, but it had little cutaways, the way Family Guy has cutaway jokes. Sure, sure. But the cutaway jokes were, were animated. But Interesting. The, sh- the show was live action. And uh, that was my first real gig in animation. Then I got hired at Klasky Chupo, where I became a character designer on Rocket Power, then later on Rugrats. And oh, you worked on Rugrats? Yeah, that was the fir- the main first big name show I worked on, and doing character design for that. And I spent six years working on at Klasky Chupo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, talking about different styles, I mean that was a style that was almost an anti drawing style. All the stuff I learned in art school about about keeping designs appealing, like you know, thick to thin, large to small shapes. Kind of out the window, but that was the style. Like arms, for example, were tubes, which I remember in art school learning never have parallel lines. There are very little to no parallel lines in nature. My teacher really drilled that into my head. Yeah. 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 And then here I am having to go against my nature, what I've, what I've been taught in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really interesting how animation's really changed, how, how things were really very primitive to begin with and then got really more more detailed and stuff. And now we're going back to... A place where the comic content is ju- is almost supersedes the the, the the quote unquote art school quality of the animation. And a lot of animation is very very stylized now and very yeah. uh, very um, non traditional, as you, yeah. I guess you would say. I mean, if you look at Adventure Time, it's kind of going back to the 1930s. With the, oh, sure, with the with hose like arms. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like olive oil, and she would wave. Her arms. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, the Max Fleischer cartoons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's almost a return to that. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that if, if anything, South Park showed us that it doesn't matter what something looks like. No, you got to have that solid writing. More than yeah, yeah. Else. It's the writing. It's the it's yeah. the it's the content. Yeah, the writing always. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a, that's very astute. That's absolutely correct. Um, when you were working on uh, Rugrats, did you work with any of the? Uh, um, the cast or anything like that, or were you really just so, kind of sequestered off into the animation wing of everything? I was pretty much sequestered, although one time when I was working on a show called Rocket Power, it mm-hmm. was like a kind of a 90s extreme sports, these four friends that are into extreme sports and surfing, you know, all that kind of stuff, that live in California. Um, they had a special guest who's this this bicyclist, uh, like a bicycle, like extreme bicycle, uh, but she was considered the, the woman's top of the bicycle, uh, off-road dirt biking. Her name was Missy Giove. And I had to actually, I got to meet her and sit into into the recording studio, which is very, very rare because I had to do sketches of her sure, sure. to later stylize her into the show because Rocket Power had a very distinct style, completely different from Rocket Power, or rock, different from Rugrats or any other shows. And uh, I had to you know, watch her, give her lines, and do little sketches. That was the only time. 
that ever actually get to work with talent. I remember meeting Charlie Adler, who's an amazing oh, voice actor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the voice director at the time. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. But it was just kind of like, oh, hey, hey, that's about it. Right. But right. the most interesting thing that happened was, and this was like totally random because I I always go to work really early, and uh-huh. which remains to this day. Uh, but I was at work, I was working, and I was and before anybody had come in, and I hear a knocking on my cubicle, and it's E.G. Daly, who's the voice of Tommy on oh, Rugrats. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was just what? Like, and it was just totally random. And she had these two kids with her, and uh, she says, "Hi, I'm E.G. Daly." And I'm thinking, "Oh, yeah, I know." I'm thinking. And, uh, and, and I just want to show these kids uh, what's going on, you know, what the process is. And, and I was like, I'm just doing character designs here, doing turntables. Or not, yeah. well, turntables is a 3D version, but right. uh, turnarounds. I would do, you know, front, three-quarter front, profile, three-quarter back, back view, right. depending on what the storyboard needed. Right. I was kind of explaining really quickly. It was more, more for the kids than for her, really. That was the one time I got to actually work or meet the talent. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. I was yeah. really... Really sad to hear about Christine Cavanaugh yeah. passing recently. That was that was pretty sad. Yeah, she was the original Chucky, and then yeah. later on, Nancy Cartwright took over for right, her right. as Chucky. Right. Yeah, it's quite. That's that's amazing how she was able to. to oh, she, yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Almost seamless. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of female uh, VO artists who do uh, boys' voices, little yeah. boy and you know, you know uh, really young boys' voices. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's just kind of a thing, and and there was. Um, yeah, there's the Nancy Cartwright story where she originally had had auditioned to do one of the one of the a different voice, and then they they said, "Well, what about what about Bart?" She goes, "I don't do boy voices," and they're yeah. like, "We'll try it," and then she yeah. did, and boom, that was it. That's just set her mm-hmm. for life. So, um, yeah, there's a documentary, and maybe you've heard of it called "I Know That Voice." Yes, yeah. yes, very familiar. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, John yeah, Maggio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, John Maggio. Um, 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 it's funny. I, um, Kind of voiceover in cartoons is, or or for whatever has always kind of been my my dream job. So I'm actually started working on uh, on doing some voices stuff, voices.com stuff to try and yeah. get something together to start kind of shopping around to do yeah. voices because everybody's always told me I should be doing that and mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm finally listening I guess and right getting over my wall of fear to do that. How did you um, make the decision to go into uh, animation? Did you well now now Backing up even a little bit further from that, obviously you're not you're not. Were you born in America? No, no. I was born in Athens, Greece. Athens, Athens, Greece, right? So yeah, yeah. Figure with a name like uh, Anastasios uh, Giannis. Is Giannis, yeah. right? Giannis. Giannis. Uh, that definitely well, sounds Greek. Giannis <laughs> well, is the. Oh, Giannis. Okay. That's, that's the proper Greek pronunciation. Okay, Giannis. Uh, well, uh, yeah. Okay, I, okay. I still, here we go. We're, real quick, yeah. real quick. And I'm sorry if this is racist, uh-huh. but settle <laughs> a bet. Settle a bet. Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce G Y R O S? How do you pronounce it? Yiros. Yiros. I knew. See, well, I was right. See, it, 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 what it means because I, I do speak Greek. Sure. It means to go around. Oh yeah, yeah. Gyro. I mean, yeah. it's the same root, yeah. the same word. Gyro. Yeah. But yeah. some people say gyros. Some people say gyro. <laughs> some people say yiros. Some yeah. people say gyros. Some mm-hmm. people, but it's yiros. I yeah. oh, see. All right. Yep. Although I think they do pronounce it differently, even though they do that same. Mm-hmm. Dish or that same yeah. type of food in other Mediterranean right. areas or cultures, mm-hmm. and they maybe they do pronounce it differently. Yeah. But the Greek pronunciation, gyros. Yeah. All right. As plural. As plural. Yeah. 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 All right. Gyro is a singular one. Okay. So, so how long were you in Greece? Did you start school for animation there? Did you start it here? And and just kind of mm-hmm. let's let's do your yeah. kind of origin story. Right. Here. <laughs> so I came I came to this country when I was two and a half years old. Okay. 
so my Greek is actually technically my first language, but English is technically my second language. Um, but it's kind of funny because it's kind of flipped because I lived here most of my life, so Greek kind of has taken a back seat. But I do speak Greek on a pretty regular basis because every Saturday I usually visit my mom. Talking about the house earlier, my, the house I bought coincidentally is just five minutes away from my mom's house. So I visit oh boy, her. I don't think I can live five minutes away from my mom. <laughs> no, well, it's, it's kind of a Greek tradition. Heck, if, right, if, yeah. if my mom had her way, I'd still be living at home. <laughs> yeah, Because you know, yeah. I'm not married, you know. Oh, right. That's the, the Greek tradition. Um, right. But, yeah, I visit her every week, so I, I get to speak Greek with her, and she speaks English as well, but I, I like, it's a good opportunity. Sure, sure. It keeps, keep, keeps keep, the skills going, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If I ever want to go back, which I would love to. Yeah. Um, but I've been back back uh, about like every now and then I, I kind of go back. But the last time was like 14 years ago. Oh wow! Yeah. And I really want to go back just yeah. to see my family. But yeah, I came here when I was uh, when I was a baby, and then uh, I came. I found out maybe a few years ago. I'm kind of going off on tangents here, but that's fine. Um, I was never really meant to have a life here in America. My parents came here to make money and to. Uh, to make a living and then take and then move back because mm-hmm. for a while I lived around the time I was four years old I lived in uh, I lived in Greece with my grandparents they left me there to come here and work and then eventually they my mom really missed me so they wanted they, they brought me back here so and I've been here since okay and that's how I understand it mm. um, but yeah I grew up here so my schooling was all here I, I went to school here, even though my elementary school, I was actually for a while going to two schools. I was going to regular elementary school, but I was once a week I was going to Greek school, which was weird. Okay. Once a week to have to go to Greek school. To That's, I mean, in certain um, cultures in America, mm-hmm. cultural groups, I guess, I mean... Uh, Treading very carefully here, but but there are there are obviously there are Jewish schools and there yeah. are uh, uh, I know there's Greek schools, there are uh, Korean schools right. and Chinese schools where kids will go like you said will go to school, mm-hmm. nor you know regular public or private school yeah. throughout the day, and then a, a couple nights a week or one day a week they'll go to the school that is involved whatever their cultural center is, right. and that is. That's actually pretty common mm-hmm. on certain certain mm-hmm. cultures, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So I w- once a week I would have to go and uh, just a lot of reading, writing, which I was always horrible with spelling because mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. so many different e's, so different many e's, and I don't know which one to use. Like the e could be like the letter e, but then an a and an i together make an a as a as well. And I don't know which one to use. It was really frustrating. Oh right. And I still to this day don't know. Oh, for as far as yeah. writing things yeah. out, you can you can speak and speak yeah. And, yeah. But I'm sure reading probably isn't a problem, but then writing things out probably gets I can read it, but it's really hard. Slow going, yeah. 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 It's yeah. A, it's like, yeah, like maybe like a, like a two-year-old level of reading. Sure, sure. I can do it, but it'll take me like an hour to read a paragraph. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, it was interesting. Um, I took Russian in college, and uh, uh, St. Cyril, uh, when he was creating the Cyrillic mm-hmm. alphabet, the the Cyrillic alphabet is based largely off of Greek. Yeah. And so it was interesting when, like, Greek has always looked like Greek to me. Mm, right. <laughs> um, but uh, well, after I took Russian and learned the alphabet, then I was going and I saw something in Greek and I went, talked to somebody and I said, does that say, you know, and, yeah. and very slowly pronouncing yeah. words. And they're like, yes. I'm like, 
huh, okay. I, can, I have a, yeah. at least a little bit, a, mm-hmm. a baby step further into the understanding mm-hmm. of the Greek alphabet there. Yeah. So, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was interesting uh, growing up that way. Yeah, kind of a traditional, somewhat a traditional Greek family. Sure. But what's funny is talking about like stereotypical stuff. I'm here to say that that movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, frighteningly accurate. Accurate, yes. <laughs> I was like, whoa, yeah. It, it, it was, it, yeah. it was frighteningly accurate. Yeah. yeah. There's Down. a there's a few a few um, movies or or pieces that are out there that really do shed a stark light of insight into yeah. that cultural center and most of us think oh you know because you get to the point where you get kind of jaded about this is the way black people are and this right. is the way this people are and this is the way yeah. na- you know indian people are and, mm-hmm. the, and then you but then you so you kind of get numb to oh this has all been homogenized for white yeah. people but then you occasionally something like that comes mm-hmm. along and it's like it's a little different, a little edgier, and then you talk to people who are from that cultural center, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's like that. Like, okay, okay. Yeah, down to the lamb in the front yard. Yeah, that's, yeah. Except for the Windex thing. I don't know where they got that from. <laughs> well, that might have been a, a creative license yeah. thing, but or just that that one weird uncle who really was that right. way, whatever. Exactly. But And then... Uh, like Beckett, like bend it like Beckham, like mm-hmm. like the, it was a it was an Asian family in England, mm-hmm. and and from my understanding, yeah, that's I mean I have a friend who's or a coworker who uh, who is of age of Asian or Indian extraction, but who mm-hmm. his wife is also but from England, yeah, and so there's like it's like yeah, that's really the way that 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 can be, yeah. So. It's kind of nice to see that. Like, plus, it helps that. The, the woman who wrote it is Greek. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nina, Nina Vardalis. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that it was... It, but, yeah, that that sort of thing kind of comes into play whenever I visit family, which isn't as often as it used to be. Right. you know, we're... My family's sort of... You know, they're, they're kind of doing... My, my uncles are doing their thing, and my mom is... My mom and I are sort of kind of become best friends, you know, as I get older. Mm-hmm. It's funny how that happens. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, you're not married, so you know. Right. <laughs> Best friends with your mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, there was a line in a there was a, of a British uh, uh, British sitcom called Black Books, and this woman's out on a date. The, mm-hmm. One of the main characters is out on a date with a guy, and she starts to kind of pick up on the fact that this guy mm-hmm. might be gay. Mm-hmm. And not even know it yet, and so she starts grilling him with you know subtle little questions yeah. and says, "How often do you call your mother?" And he says, oh, "I don't know, the usual amount, four, five times a day." And she goes, "Hmm, yes, yes." Which was this? <laughs> Black books. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was, at first I thought because wasn't there an IT crowd something similar? Yeah, well, same, same. The first season of Black Books was uh-huh. written by Graham Linehan, okay. and Graham Linehan wrote, produced, directed okay. IT Crowd. So yeah, yeah. there's similar uh, threads yeah. kind of woven throughout. Yeah. yeah, you're talking about the uh, the um, uh, the work outing episode where they go to Gay the Musical and <laughs> oh, and, right. uh, and uh, 
the main character uh, winds up using the uh, the handicapped toilet, the disabled toilet, and right. gets caught in there and yeah. accidentally pulls an alarm and, and I'm disabled. That's one of our right. actual favorite episodes here. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's been a while since I've seen that show. <laughs> yeah, I think it's still on Netflix, so okay. hopefully it'll stick around because I know they're pulling a lot of uh, a lot of BBC shows off of Netflix very mm-hmm. soon, like yeah. Doctor Who and even the new Doctor Who and uh, uh, Red Dwarf. They're all being yanked from, mm-hmm. from, I guess, their license ran out or whatever, and mm-hmm. they're not renewing it, which is sad because That's for Americans, much. I mean, I, I, I'm always trying to encourage people to watch as much British television as possible, mm-hmm. especially Doctor Who. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I can tell you're a fan. Just a touch, just a touch. I can understand so, it. So you went to uh, you went to regular school in the Greek school, and then yeah. high school. Did that go on through high school or just uh, through elementary school? Mostly elementary school. I, I, I can't remember when I stopped, but I know it was during sometime in elementary school that okay. I, that it stopped. Okay. Thankfully, it was such a relief. One yeah. one one uh, bit of homework is enough. Right. Right. I, I don't need to have to read something in Greek. And then, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah, that's enough for me. I got enough on my plate. Thank you very much. <laughs> so yeah, high school was yeah that 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 was and junior high that that all stopped. So this is in, all in California. So I'm, yeah. I'm taking it too yeah, since yeah. you live so close to your mom. So you mm-hmm. came to California. So all right. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna if you're if there's a place in in America where you're gonna get that kind of cultural. Um, saturated cultural upbringing within the context of an American mm-hmm. uh, upbringing, yeah, probably it would be one of the coastal mm-hmm. places, you know, coastal P- cities. Plus San Pedro is actually, there's a lot of Greeks in San Pedro okay. as well. A lot okay. of Greek and Croatian population there. I wonder, San Pedro has all that lo- that lovely property up on the cliffs and stuff, and yeah. I'm wondering if maybe that's a... Mm-hmm. A, a fondness for home and the, the, the right. you, when you think of Greece you think of the islands and that kind of yeah. cliffside island living and those whole Never cities and residential areas kind of built up into the cliffs and I'm wondering if maybe well it's like the like the Scandinavians who came to came to uh, America and mm-hmm. started from New York and went out west and got about halfway across and went and turned make, made a right turn and went oh we're home you know and wound up in Wisconsin yeah. I think Lewis Black had a bit about that <laughs> exactly that's exactly what I was thinking about <laughs> it's no testament to the human spirit it's fucking stupid that's a great impression <laughs> thank you <laughs> there you go the voice acting you're saying yeah. I, you I do totally that pull it yeah. Off, yeah. Uh, I'm, I don't know if you heard if I did, did Rodney uh, Rodney Dangerfield on the one you listened to the other day yeah. but, oh, last time I saw a mouth like that it had a hook in it <laughs> That's good. Thank you. Wow. So trying to trying to uh, uh, mitigate those skills. So anyway. That's great. So uh, so yeah. So San Pedro. I have a li- little bit of experience with San Pedro. When my first wife and I moved to California, mm-hmm. a friend, a very good friend of hers yeah. from college, lived in San Pedro, and we got to go to the mm-hmm. house and hang out a couple times. So yeah. that was fun. And he was living in a girlfriend's parents' house in on yeah. the cliff in San Pedro. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. right at the edge of the cliff, and yeah. Probably five years from now, that house will go tumbling into the ocean because the cliffs keep eroding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's currently a sinkhole over there. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know if or when they're going to fix it. Thanks, Obama. No, I was kidding. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty nice living there. I grew up in San Pedro. And, and I never imagined that I'd finally be living there because for a while in 2010, I moved to Redondo Beach for a while, which I loved. Yeah. And I still hang out there. Every Saturday night, I that's my hangout spot, Redondo Beach. I love it. There's so much to do because one problem with San Pedro, I will say, I love it. I grew up there, but there is nothing to do in San Pedro. I will be honest. It's not for me. 
there's plenty to see in San Pedro, like the the Korean Bell and the cliffs. All that stuff is beautiful to look at. You could see Catalina Island. You could see the Vince Thomas Bridge overlooking Long Beach over there. Nice. But there's no cool hangout spots in oh, San Pedro. Yeah. So my favorite thing is coffee shops. I love to go to coffee shops. Oh yeah, and yeah, sketch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was doing before I came here, actually. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. Sitting. Oh, you came up here and staked out a coffee shop. Oh and... no, actually, no. I, I after, usually Sundays after the gym, I'll go and I'll go to my favorite coffee shop to sort of reward myself. Oh, nice, nice. I hate working out. But, don't we all? Uh, <laughs> so I go to this coffee shop and I get my sketchbook out and I just draw and I can finally breathe a sigh of relief because when I'm drawing, that is like that is like the best version of me. That's when I'm like the happiest when I'm just drawing and being creative. Cool. I love your work. I see. I see yeah. your stuff on on Facebook all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you do you have a website with all your stuff, or you just kind of put stuff on Facebook when you think uh, about it? Well, it's the Facebook thing, but also I have a DeviantArt. I don't have a website. Oh, DeviantArt page. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just too cheap for right now. Yeah, sure, sure. Eventually, yeah. I, I want to do a website. Sure. I'm, I'm going to have to, but for now, I'm just dumping everything on DeviantArt. Tazodraws or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but. I, I've I've discovered recently, and and it, again, it's only happened twice, but you know that's enough to think. Hmm, I managed to to be able to find two wholly, I mean, uh, comprehensively unique internet names that are completely unique throughout all the realm of of internet existence. Mm-hmm. Saint Michael, which I've had since S A Y N T M Y K L, which I've had since. Oh boy, probably 2000, 1999, 2000, yeah. and then uh, then more recently, mm-hmm. something 2XP. I found a, a, a I was just kind of yeah. fiddling around with how to how to fit something the something something experience down into one yeah. short, you know, eight eight letter you know ten letter uh, uh, name, and I found mm-hmm. something 2XP was completely unique, and mm-hmm. it wound up being, you know, kind of. Covering all the bases, so it's mm-hmm. weird. So maybe maybe Tazo Draws is uh, not a, is completely available. So you'll see. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I just added you on Twitter too. So. Okay, right on. Yeah, uh, I do have a um, yeah on DeviantArt. I have my username there is Mavros Thanatos, which means Black Death in Greek. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's, it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. But, no, but uh, but it, it sounds cool when you say it. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't taken. Oh, that's cool. That's, that's why. cool. That's cool. But yeah, I will, I like all your stuff because it it's um again it has that real organic look, but it's all very dark and all very creepy and all very just mm-hmm. nightmarish and um looks like something out of um a Clive Barker work or a Giger look or a work rather um kind of all mashed together into mm-hmm. Um, or actually, even maybe like some little bit of Todd McFarlane thrown in too. That's first time I got that one. That's, that's yeah, an interesting take. Yeah. yeah, especially the Spawn stuff. Uh, stuff I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah. So, and I don't know how much of that he actually drew. I think he just wrote it, but I'm not sure. Okay, but, but definitely some of that stuff where you, you have these kind of. Um, um, I don't know if anamorphic is the right term, but you basically they're. Parts of of what we would consider normal creatures kind of rearranged uh, within its own skin to yeah. where the maybe the, the mouth is there, no eyes, or maybe an arm is here, yeah. or but bent back or whatever. Right. It's really it's all very fascinating. Now you sculpt too, right? Yeah, yeah. Not so much traditionally these days because uh, I haven't sculpted since art school, but my sculpting is done three D using a software called ZBrush. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, 
I, I mostly I work in. I haven't even talked mentioned it because I, I I mentioned my career actually because I we've spoken about animation, two sure. D animation, which to be honest, and I've told a few people this, that was never in my heart to do. It, it was it's what was available to me, so I'm I'm going to take advantage of what's what's in front of me. You know, I'm not going to say no because I'm going to wait for the right thing. No, it's it's what was available. I took it and. It got me started in my it career. It pays the bills, right? Yeah, right. exactly. But to be honest, working in 2D animation it was never in my heart. But I've met a lot of great people, so I don't regret it at all because of that. Of course, of course. Yeah. But my real passion from when I was 12 is I wanted to work for Stan Winston doing Creatures. Oh, yeah. But uh, the times have changed, and CG has sort of taken the yeah. front seat, so I decided yeah. to switch to CG. And that's the career I've path I've chosen now. So I work in visual effects now. But I'm at the, I am a modeler, so I'm at the very beginning of the process. Sure, sure. So that means working that, on maquettes on, on yeah. 3D, basically a computerized or yep. a digitized maquette mm-hmm. rather than a physical one that gets, right. then gets scanned in. Exactly. So you're doing you're doing what the original maquette people would do, which would be mo- they would model it out of clay and then grid it and then yeah. shoot it and then shoot it and then put it into, into the computer. Mm-hmm. You're doing all the modeling and the sculpting yeah. on the computer. Yeah, it, it cuts that step out. Sure. Sure. And it's also really good because um, a lot of times the way it works is you're given concept art, and you have to match the concept art. And a lot of times there's a there's trouble with translating concept art, which is 2D, into a 3D object. Sure. Because a lot of times a concept artist will do something that looks cool, but they don't think about how it's going to move or animate. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that that becomes a problem. Like when I build it, like wait a minute, the the arm can only go up this far with this shoulder pad here, you know. Right. So we have to work out how that's going to work. Maybe take the shoulder pad and cut it so that it kind of collapses like a right, like, like, a like an accordion, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that has also been my part of my job as well to take concept work in two D and realize it in three D and figure out how is this going to work when it's animated and move. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm at the, actually at the very beginning of the process because mm-hmm. people wonder how does how does CGI work. I'm at the very beginning because no one can nothing can be animated if it hasn't been built yet. Sure. So I get the stuff built, maybe sometimes rough proxy geometry that I could hand off to rigging and people that could start rigging it and putting a skeleton, see, doing motion tests, and then mm-hmm. they come back to me like, oh, you know, this isn't working. Could we make this a little bit longer? Like, all right, cool. How about now? Cool, that works perfect, right on. Right, right. Let's so you get you're you're concentrating on the outside of the creature, the skin of the creature, yeah. and other people are doing the rig- rigging or the skeleton yeah. of it. So, yeah. So so real quick, I've heard we've been talking. We talked to Brian and 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 other people about this, and they've talked about be, doing rigging. And obviously, yeah. in a physical world, if you know, in the physical real world, I kind of know what rigging is as yeah. far as rigging lights, rigging electrics, yeah. rigging other things, and actually putting them in place. With with regard to animation or three D animation, what what does rigging entail? Uh, well. I might not be the best person to talk to about this because okay. it's very technical. Okay, and I'm I'm definitely more on the creative side of things. Well, bird's eye concept. What yeah. what what does rigging? Well, well, the way I understand it, they they place joints in the body. Okay, basically a skeleton in mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. and they set parameters how much an elbow can bend. It can only bend for this far, or this you know from straight to like to maybe like what is it like maybe thirty de- or eighty whatever degrees. So far, uh, and then um, they also put sometimes they put like skeletal stru- or not, uh, muscle structure underneath, mm-hmm. very basic geometry, so that the skin can slide over it. Sure, sure. And they somehow connect that to the skeleton. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how they do it. There's like these things I hear about IK and, and handles, and 
that gets very technical. And they also um, they handle f face shapes, which that's when they uh, we start to work with them. Like for when I worked on Guardians of the Galaxy, I worked very closely with rigging actually, because I had to do all of the face shapes on Thanos when he was doing okay. it, when he was giving his dialogue. Right, right. So I, I had to match to the Josh Brolin's performance, uh -huh. and then hand those off to rigging, and then they would put that into their rig. I don't know how. Now did 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 Brolin do mocap on that, and then you had to translate that into the actual character or work those facial movements and things for vowel shapes and stuff like that into the the program that you worked on or well it was it was a combination of both there was like this we we captured his performance in 3D but that only got us about 60% of the way there on the actual Thanos version of him but then uh it was up to me to take it the rest of the way cuz i had to watch his performance we had a camera set up front and side view at the same time right. as he was talking right and I had to look at his mouth positions and whatever frame my, my supervisor said, you know, picked out this frame, this frame, this frame, want you to match to that. And I had to match to the expression and really give it that extra bit of life. Sure, sure. And then that would be later. Slide that skin over yeah, the exactly. muscle and, want, and let the, mm -hmm. the, the, the tendons of the cheeks and mm -hmm. everything kind of flush out. And, right, or bunch up. Oh, yeah, basic, right. basic animation. That's one thing that I like about working animation, like I said earlier. I don't regret it because I learned basic oh, yeah. things like squash and well, stretch. Very yeah. basic stuff that comes Yeah, the thing handy. that I'm finding over and over and over again is is if you want to do 3D, you have to, do, you have, to have a knowledge and a feel for 2D because... You can you can put stuff into a computer and move things around and manipulate yeah. them, but unless you have a real actual human emotional center yeah. with to life mm -hmm. and 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 how things move and how things behave, you, it's not it's always it'll look fake. It won't look real. And the people right. that animate the best have that emotional art yeah. center of pen on paper and and feeling through mm. your arm and through your yeah. mind and your heart and and your human being yeah. feeling how a, a a creature a living creature moves yeah. and breathes and and all that goes into that and and translating that through mm. your hand and your pen to a piece of paper right. you have to have that in order to make that work on a computer mm -hmm. exactly so coming from that background helped me a lot. Oh, sure, so sure. I, I understood, that, and my supervisor was surprised. Like, well, you know about that? You know about, like, it's so great that you know how to do this. So I'm like, yeah, well, I worked in 2D animation back in the day. Although I wouldn't say it's required because a lot of modelers, actually, that I know do not do traditional art. No. Um, but I think those who do have a little bit of an edge. It's, yeah. not, it's not like you're going to have a bad career. You're not going to do well. No. It just it just gives you that little extra. There's, a, there's bit the of, real spark of life. You feel it. It helps. You feel that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So even though I do 3D for a living, I still draw every day. I make sure that I still sketch because I love to draw on paper. And if for some reason, I can never do that in 3D. Drawing in a Wacom tablet, I just can't do it. Which, which you hear a lot of sculptors say the same thing because this kind of goes into this conversation that I, I kind of feel, sort of feel strongly about because I love practical effects. I love monster movies. But one thing that bugs me a lot is how, how much smack people talk about CG. Yes, and and they do they always seem to use bad examples of CG. Let's say, oh, see, CG looks so bad. It's so fake. But I, I, I know people who work so hard. Like I got oh, friends yeah. who worked on... 
I got a friend who worked on Life of Pi, who did the tiger, and like they worked so hard to get the oh, thing to sure. look real. Sure, sure, and sure. it was amazing. It looked incredible. Yeah, the the like uh, the other the tigers in uh, Gladiator looked really good too. And yeah. those, they were very and they're very very short in that one mm-hmm. fight scene at the very right. end. But yeah, that I mean, I didn't see Life of Pi, but everything I saw with the tiger and mm-hmm. it looked like it was really there. Yeah. It was really astounding. Yeah, and one example that I've had with of yeah, like you said, people people shit on CG and you cuz you watch like the first Harry Potter movie when they first get on the yeah. brooms and the and the the one kid uh, Neville gets all bounced around and 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 flopping around on the thing yeah. and it looks it looks rubber right. it looks like a rag doll yeah. but then later if you go to the next and i think the thing that they've been learning i think a lot more production should have taken the example of of Jurassic Park because even though Jurassic Park was very early in the CG the big production CG yeah. um, where you have so much CG in the movie they still used a ton of practical effects like yeah. the tyrannosaur the yeah. head and the, on the and the torso was 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 a piece was a was a big mechanical yeah um, yeah, yeah 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 exactly and it looked real and then they were able to make an animated version of that mm-hmm. off of that but the, the having people interact with something mm-hmm. that's really there yeah. is so much more lifelike and so yeah. much you can tell when somebody's looking at a tennis ball right. and jar jar and you can <laughs> tell when somebody's interacting with something mm-hmm. that's really there and yeah. and is really frightened by it and that emotion yeah. you don't have to pull so deeply down from yeah. your imagination you can you can really react to something that's on screen yeah that reminds me of like you talk about Doctor Who you're, you're a huge fan I'm a huge geek when it comes to Alien oh sure like the way you love Doctor Who is the way I love Alien yeah and that reminds me of a story that uh, an interview with uh, Veronica Cartwright who played Lambert and there's a scene yeah. where yeah. her and Parker are being attacked by the alien and Ripley's on her way there and she talked about how her reaction was genuine. She was really Genuinely terrified yeah. by having Bolaji in the suit standing right in front of her. Yeah, yeah. This towering, seven-foot-tall sure. guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The first Alien, yeah. the first and second Alien movies. I mean, yeah. and then the Alien Three came out, and it was a lot of CG, and it was it, it lost something. I mean, actually, I'm going to correct you. There was literally one CG shot in Alien Three, and that was the head cracking. The, the Alien in Alien Three was actually a rod puppet. That was oh. that was comped in. Yeah, oh, a lot of people okay. do think it's CGI because it has that weird herky jerky movement. Yeah, yeah. But uh, behind the scenes, it's actually a physical rod puppet they built on a blue screen that they comped in. Oh, maybe the comp yeah. was off or something. Well, it was in the early days of that. It was because it came out in 1992. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe they used the com- a computer deposit or a composite rather yeah. than a film composite. That's Probably. possible. That's my, that might be why it looks CG. Wow, I didn't know that. So yeah, but there was definitely a, a, a shift in the the look between because in Alien Three, that's when we really started seeing these fast running, fast moving aliens and I love and, that. and crawling up the walls and around and mm-hmm. running and really running yeah. down the corridors. Um, and yeah, and it it but it looked yeah it looked a little it looked more animated. And if and if even I would imagine that probably for those puppets they probably didn't shoot them at speed they probably shot them um either really really slowly and sped them up or they probably yeah which probably would explain because anytime something looks sped up you can kind of tell there's a couple of those scenes in raiders of the lost ark where they're Mm -hmm. uh, where they're on the truck and he's you know with the whole whip thing underneath and going underneath the truck and you can tell that it was shot really slow and then sped up in a couple of scenes Mm -hmm. so but there's a times when you can say oh that's going a little too fast so right 
the the human mind is a lot smarter. It's a lot harder to trick than mm-hmm. than people give it credit for. Yeah, and that's why you, that's where you get into these the uncanny valley sometimes when because yeah. the human mind knows when something's off. And that's when things look start creepy. Yeah, I never did see that one uh, the one with Tom Cruise or not not Tom Cruise Tom Hanks. Polar Express, was it called? Oh, I saw that. I yeah. didn't see it, but I heard that people complained about that, saying it was kind of creepy looking. Because yeah, of that. yeah, they did really, really photorealistic looking people, yeah. and all the characters that Tom Hanks played in that mm-hmm. b- movie looked like Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. But that, it, that was that the big problem I think with that movie was that was them taking a short little children's book and expanding it into oh. an hour and a half movie. Yeah, it was like a you know very very short. You know, children's like book. Like The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I had less problem with The Hobbit because the more any more time that I can spend in in Peter Jackson's uh, Middle Earth, I'm happy. So I, I, I agree. was very yeah. forgiving of the Hobbit movies. So yeah, that, I, I do like that world. So I do. I agree with you on that. Yeah. My only complaint was I wish that there had been a mix of CG and and uh, practical with the orcs. That was my only complaint. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw the light latest one, right? Yeah. And this is kind of going against what I normally do, because I'm very, as you know, I'm a big proponent of CG, but uh, I don't know if this will be a spoiler or not, but one of the dwarfs, his his cousin, was all CG. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why they went all CG with that guy. Mm. You know the, the guy, he had like those tusks on his beard or something hmm. on, on the third one? One of them was CG. Yeah, like the Thorin's cousin came in. He was like that, the he had the red hair, and he was like this big tough guy. He was headbutting everybody. Oh, in the I'll third have to album. go back and look at that again. Yeah, I, I'm and, not remembering who you're talking about. And I, I don't remember the character's name, but I well, remember it must have been good enough. I didn't notice. Okay, I, so, I did. I was, okay, it was, it was like, is there something off about that? He doesn't look quite right. Sometimes in the Hobbit movies, they spent more time. Mm-hmm. Doing the computer resize thing in the Hobbit oh, yeah. movies than they did in the Lord of the Rings films. Mm-hmm. In Lord of the Rings films, you have in Fellowship, you see everybody computer resized from yeah. dwar- from from Havling uh, to dwarf to human to yeah. to elf to um, to uh, Gandalf, yeah. and you see everybody lined up together and everybody's resized so they all look right. A lot of times they would use. Uh, Children or or little people yeah. as doubles for orcs or for uh, for um, havelings and uh, and uh, dwarves yeah. during wider shots. Mm-hmm. The shots where they're walking over the ridge and you know, the big walking. It's that kind of thing. But then there were those shots where you would see them together and you'd see their faces and they were resized. In the Hobbit movies, there were a couple times when they did that, when you could really tell that it was kind of computerized in size yeah. of versions. Something about the physics of it mm-hmm. didn't quite... And it was probably the plate-washing scene that w- was part of that, when I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Which was fun and whimsical right. and stuff, but yeah. it, there was a lot of CG going mm-hmm. on, and you could really tell. The best CG is the one that's most subtle. Where right. you where you have a lot of practical and it's peppered with CG in yeah. order to enhance. That's yeah. that's my favorite. I mean, but also a big creature like a dragon or something. You you don't have a choice these days. Right. Yeah, and I, I understand the the want for it because I, I I do love practical stuff and I sure. love seeing sure. that stuff and I want to start doing it again. Actually, I want to mm-hmm. start physically sculpting you know creatures. Again. You still have your sights set on Stan Winston someday? Um. Well. Uh, yeah. Well, actually. Uh, it was, it was 2013? Yeah, October 2013. I actually interviewed over there at Legacy Effects, which is what it's called right, now. Right, right. 
Um, and that was it was amazing. I mean, I was interviewed by John Rosengrant, who was one of the one of the main guys who was there from the beginning. And cool. I, I, the hardest part was just like in, in my head, he my cool, like, oh man, this is I can't. This is so cool. Oh my god! <laughs> but, but, but outside, I was cool about right. it. You know, but keep it cool. Keep it cool. Yeah, and then, I'm in this interview room, and there's there's the alien and the predator, like my, my uh, two favorite monsters yeah. of all time. Yeah, I love those creatures, and and like here I am. You know, it was amazing, and. uh but you know there was another job that that I that I ended up taking and anyways, but someday I, I would love to work for them. It would be an honor because I mean Stan Winston is the reason why I do what I do for a living. He, I mean between him and H.R. Giger, like those are my two biggest influences. Sure, sure. I absolutely, I mean they're just they're like idols to me. I I actually got to meet Stan Winston a year before he passed. Oh, and cool. It was. It, it was such a bummer when he passed away. It, it was one of the few times I re- genuinely got sad yeah. about someone not in my family passing away. Because I mean, I I've admired him since I was twelve. Yeah, I would not be doing what I'm doing and, and have such a big fandom of monsters and creatures if it weren't for him. I mean, when I when I, I remember when I first saw Predator, when I was I had to be like eight years old. I remember, and I I was I was actually at a hotel in San Diego with my cousin and my uncle. We were and the predator was on, and yeah, and we're like, "What is this?" And then, I, as soon as that mask came off, I fell in love. I was like, "That yeah. face is awesome!" Yeah, yeah. I've been a fan since. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I had a friend who was a, um, a makeup effects mm-hmm. artist as a hobby. She yeah. was trying to get into the business, and she was this really kind of quirky, interesting person. Um, and she did some of the most amazing effects work. I mean, you know, like mm-hmm. like makeup type effects that I've ever, and prosthetic effects yeah. I've ever seen. But she had this. Uh, she could she could morph her hands mm-hmm. in a way to mimic the ah. mouth of the of the yeah. predator. And she did the throat click thing. Ah, that, nice. That, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing with her. And she would do it, and it was just like whoa. You would turn around, and she was doing the thing with her hands yeah. and making the noise, and you were like, whoa, it was creepy. It yeah. was cool, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, when you worked on, on Rugrats, were you uh, a character modeler in there as well? Or were you doing animating characters? Were you doing animating uh, the, uh, or doing the, the, the background or the furniture, you know, objects or characters? Or was there a specific character you worked on? Or I was a character designer. A designer. And it was all 2D. None of it was no Well, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. The only technology I was using was a copy machine. Oh, wow. That's about it. Um, but yeah, I was just a character designer, and everything was kind of set, separated the disciplines. The, there was a background designer department, the background, the characters, storyboard artists, everything was segregated, mm-hmm. which is good because you could focus on your discipline and do a really good job, as opposed to being a jack of all trades. Cool. Yeah, um, but yeah, I was I was doing character design, and I was working on all the characters. Basically, it's whatever what was needed. I was given a list of designs. Mostly, I was doing incidental characters that just walk around in the background okay, for okay. the most part. We had a, a library of characters, but maybe one character, maybe we have never seen him or her from a three-quarter back view. Okay. Only three-quarter front, so I had to do a three-quarter back view to figure out what the character would look like from that angle. Some characters we would never see from any other angle other than three-quarter front, so no work needed. We well, Rugrats did a lot of three, almost three, like, you know, fake yeah. 3D of, uh, what do they, they call turnarounds or whatever? Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, even in the intro, even in the in the, in the, yeah. in the intro where they had the thing where, where they circle around Tommy and then the yeah. other kid comes up and squirts the milk. And the, yeah. But, yeah, you do that completely 
you know, turn around all the way around the character. And there was a lot of that in that yeah. show. And a lot of other shows, especially at the time in the 90s and obviously before that, didn't quite figure out how to do yeah. stuff like that. Like, the, the prime example I think of is Beavis and Butthead. Where right. Whenever they tried to show them dead on at the face, yeah. it didn't quite look right. But they, mm-hmm. they would always show them at a side angle, slightly three-quarter yeah. you know, side angle, and it looked better. But Well, front views generally tend to be flat. I, mm-hmm. I don't like to draw characters from a front view myself. Because mm-hmm. three-quarter front, you get the most dimension. Right, well, especially yeah. if you're drawing... TV cartoons, yeah. you're not doing a lot of shadowing on no. faces and stuff. You're pretty much just drawing lines mm-hmm. and color, and you're right. not you're not you're outlining color, and you're not really doing a lot of uh, shadow. Yeah. It's really hard to animate a face because uh, the the thing we look at when we look at somebody's face is we always see where the light's coming from. We always see yeah. the shadow of the nose and in the pits of the eyes and around yep. the mouth and and stuff, and mm-hmm. and then and then going back on the sides toward the ears. You see, you see that shadow, and you see the light, and how the light interacts. Even if there's multiple light sources or whatever, and that's what makes gives a 3D look something 3D. But when you're mm-hmm. doing that, and it, everything's the same light source, there's no real yeah. particular direction the light is coming from, except yeah. during a maybe a dramatic mo- incident yes. where, like, they're in the lightning and thunder, or or mm-hmm. they're somebody with a flashlight or whatever that kind of in the dark, mm-hmm. but. Other than that, you're seeing them pretty much lit from all the, all sides yeah. and no shadow. So, but you're talking about that intro to Rugrats. Yeah, they, that was one of the few things that to do that at the time. But also, I don't know if you know this, but the guy who animated that was Peter Chung, who did Eon Flux. Oh, same guy. Yeah, and there was lots of that. You're yeah. right. There was lots of that uh, turnaround in that as yeah. well. Now I'm remembering that. Yeah. 90s was early 90s was a really good time for animation. I mean, Liquid Television and, yeah, and experimental. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was yeah. very open to experimental because that's animation. that that time period. I mean. Liquid Television and Spike and Mike's animated Sick and Twisted Animation yeah. Festival brought us Beavis and Butthead and Ren and Stimpy yep. and a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. And um, No Neck Joe. Um, yeah, I missed that. Is it uh, Lupo the Butcher, I remember? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, that was a Spike and Mike directly yeah. went to MTV. MTV was just yeah. picking up all that. They wanted to be hip and edgy, and they were just picking up all that stuff from, yeah. from Spike and Mike all over the place, and, and they slapped it on the air. Mm-hmm. That that was my the, the golden age for me. I I loved. I would sit there and just watch all that. Yeah. And spend the weekend oh, yeah. watching that. Yeah. Watching, getting inspired. I wasn't it. even getting high, and oh. I was loving it. You know. <laughs> was, <laughs> Can you imagine if yeah. you were a stoner and all that was all over your TV all the right. time? Like, wow, I'm never leaving the house again. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're watching like a, like a Bill Plimpton animation. Oh, yeah, Bill Plimpton. I love Plimpton. Yeah, his stuff is very But surreal. his stuff was even before that. I mean, he was doing stuff in, I want to say, the late 70s even. Or really? 80s, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, they were showing little animations of his very early on. He was one of those guys who was doing animated shorts. And, I mean, I don't know the history of all of that and, and, and how he was able to do that and get it out. But yeah. I think they were showing little clips of his on talk shows and things like that. So... But Plim- Plimpton and Plimptoons, that whole thing, that was mm-hmm. that was early on. That yeah. was pretty early, uh, much earlier than a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, because my first exposure was. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I might be completely wrong, yeah. but I, my my, I have this kind of like um, emotional memory about things, mm-hmm. and I and yeah. I'm and I'm when I first saw a lot of the Plimptoons, it was well before I ever saw Spike and Mike or anything like that. So mm-hmm. it was earlier on. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, but uh, what was I saying? Well, about I guess working in animation, doing character design, I was just involved in that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But I was mostly doing incidental characters, sometimes uh, creating new characters. Like, say, for example, I remember one episode I got to design uh, uh, for an episode of Rugrats. It was uh, Betty, who fill in Lil's mom. 
her college friend visited her, so I got to design her. Oh, okay. So that was kind of a rare thing. Like, oh, here's a new character we're introducing. Like, sometimes I wouldn't always get it, but you know, they would assign it to different artists, and that time I got to do it. Cool. So I got to design the character. So that was kind of a semi-rare thing where I would actually get to design a new character. But what I've noticed is, as I got better and they got to trust me more, that started to happen a little bit more and more. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing about you know being dedicated and working hard and people will start to trust you and they see that okay he's he's going to do the work and sure so, and there's a part of me that's like there's a part of me that um that likes to challenge myself like okay i, I will not let, the anger comes in like i will not let this defeat me i will overcome this i will be, defeat this so like you know bring it on give me the hardest thing you yeah. got yeah so I, I i like to intentionally do that to put the pressure on myself to mm. to show them that i can do it uh, and same thing happened recently, like with my current gig. I'm I, I'm given I'm working on uh, cinematic right now, and I'm I was told I know they they gave me the main character for the cinematic. And wow! I'm like, Bring it on, you know I don't care. Cool. You're not allowed so, to talk about what you're working yeah, on. Right now. Yeah, so I can't talk. About, I can't talk about it now. Um, you're probably just like bursting. Can't wait to show people. <laughs> I yeah. know. So what, what did you work on before? I know you worked on Guardians of the Galaxy. Was that your your most recent yeah. gig before the? Well, I mean, you had to have been uh, working on that a couple of years ago at this point. That was last year. Last year. Okay. Last year, uh, June, I believe it was. And you did the you did all the Thanos stuff. All his mouth blend shapes. Yeah. Cool. His cool. dialogue. So what what other throughout what, what you've been working on? What else have you worked on that we might know might know of? Uh, well, I. Uh, I worked. I spent most of my career, my CG career, at Rhythm and Hughes, mm-hmm. and I worked on uh, the bunnies on Hop. Okay. And uh, the, the, then I also, after that, I, I worked on X Men First Class. I okay. did some of the stuff, but then after that, and this, I will say, this is probably the most fun I have ever had at any job. Was when I worked on Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh. And I got to finalize the look and design of that troll. Okay. Which is very, very rare for a modeler to get that opportunity. Cool, to exactly. really put the finishing touches yeah. on something. Yeah. Modelers, you're given finished concept art until match to this, make it look exactly like this. But for that one, for the troll, I was given a rough sketch, like literally two rough drawings done in markers. Very, very rough. Wow. Like, it's like, I don't know, something like this. Just you can go nuts. I was like, all right, awesome. I'll go nuts. <laughs> so that was the most creatively satisfying experience of my entire life. It was so much fun to work on that cool. creature. Cool. Getting to work out its anatomy and figure out like these it has these two tr- tree trunks coming out of its back basically, and I had to figure out well how would that work? And well, I thought well this is where knowing anatomy helps. I thought well I know that you have this part of your scapula called the spine of the scapula which comes right to the surface. There's no muscles on it. It's just above and below it. There's muscles. So I thought well what if the, the spine of the scapula extends out and then wood can grow from that? So it, it moves with the shoulder. So. I love figuring out that stuff. Nice, and nice. The, and I even got to do, uh, I think you see in the behind the scenes of the DVD, There's, this, I got to design, a, or I didn't design it, my friend designed it, actually sculpted the skull for the troll. and he, But he designed it based on my sculpt. And cool. that was probably the most fun thing I have ever wow, done. Wow, that's cool. Getting to, to do the sculpt and the model for it, which uh, the model is a different aspect. I haven't talked about this, because the way it works is you do a sculpt first, mm-hmm. and the sculpt, its its job is to look good, and that's it. It's not meant to be animated. It's just meant to look aesthetically pleasing and be uh, signed off by the director and by the studio. So, so you do a three D sculpt. This is yeah. how this thing is going to look when it's right. standing still. This is how mm-hmm. it's going to thing that's going to look from all three yeah. dimensions. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So after it's approved, then we have to do a process known as retopology or resurfacing, or we have to recreate a mesh 
you've probably seen behind the scenes, you know, the wireframe of a character. Mm-hmm. Recreate a wireframe that is animatable, that has less polygons than because the sculpt is millions of polygons. That's totally not practical. And uh, so you create a new mesh that has that the, the edges, the lines flow with the anatomy. Sure, sure. So that when it animates, it looks realistic and works cleanly, and it you doesn't can, look pixely or, or like yeah. a bunch of like a bunch of polygons. It doesn't look like a bunch of polygons. It's actually it, it, they flow and they move. Yeah. So they it's more like like analog movement rather than digital right. movement. Right. And like for example, like around the mouth, you want to have like a ring around the mouth and a, a ring around the eye, so you could blink and open the mouth more easily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're uh, you you localize detail in certain areas. This is getting really technical, but sure. it's uh, you create a new a new mesh and you basically make the sculpt make it they make it magnetic. So the new polygons you create stick to the surface. So you're no longer worrying about shape or form. Mm-hmm. That's been taken care of by the sculpt. You're just creating good clean edge flow. And uh, for that, for the troll, actually that was that was actually. Uh, co- collaborative effort because it was so much work. So I think I did the head and a little bit of the upper body, and then we sent some of the the lower body and other modeling to India for the other modelers to take care of that because it was such a huge character. And uh, and on top of that, I also got to do the little fairy characters, which those were a lot easier. There mm-hmm. were those weren't because those were basically human anatomy. There wasn't right. anything weird going on. Just the wings is the only thing. They didn't even have wings actually. Oh wow! Okay. They just magically flew. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh nice, nice. Yeah. That that's, was, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, cool. Yeah. And they, they had a weird way of flying, I remember, because they would actually hijack uh, uh, magpies. There's one scene, of course, reminded me of Alien, because I have a one-track mind. <laughs> they, actually come out of the, they actually would come out of the magpie's chest. Wow. Yeah. It, it was like somehow a, like kind of like come through it like a membrane. Wow. And there wasn't any blood of, you know. Anything. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. I'm not in a kid's movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Good old PG-13. Take Don't off, touch it! Don't touch it! Take out the blood, take out the boobs, and we got a PG-13 movie. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. Yeah, th- there was actually a big uh, thing. I, at the end, I think, oh, with, with the fairies, because I, I originally sculpted them the butt crack, and they're like, we don't know, we, we don't want a butt crack, so can we, can we figure out what we how we're going to do it? Because they're supposed to be nude, right? Yeah. I mean, they're basically... Right. Well, so, you did, so did you kind of, like, mannequinize them and kind of... Yeah, yeah right. mannequin. But then for that, because anatomically, you, you kind of need to have it because your legs... Sure. For leg Yeah, movement. I mean, that the gluteus, the glute, gluteus yeah. uh, muscle on the on the butt is what you know helps generate your some of your leg movement yeah it's actually analogous to your deltoid your shoulder muscle okay yeah with your arm but we figured out something in between because it was sort of like you know those, those like those uh suits like you know those diaper suits with little two little knobs on the back yeah 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 oh so, yeah yeah the the uh, okay yeah those like under pajama things. sure yeah the the old uh long long johns from yeah the, from the 1800s where they had the butt flap because that's what you wanted was. to go out into the outhouse in the freezing cold middle of winter at night you want to stay covered while you're right. crapping in the middle of the night and all it's all you want is your butt exposed yeah yeah butt so, flaps right that's what we ended up doing something similar to that that's that, that's when the kind of the ratings board came into contact mm. with us yeah but I've worked. But working in in film, you're, there's de- there's definitely a lot a lot less of that because I think the movie I worked on after that was Cabin in the Woods. Oh, okay. Or actually, before it came out, it came out afterwards. But I worked on it before because that was all blood and gore. Oh yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Getting to do, uh, I got to do the dragon bat in that. Okay. I didn't design it this time. That was actually my friend who designed it, and and, and he gave me the concept, and like, and we worked together, and like, tr- try this, you know, fix that, and and. Uh, 
we came up with, and he came up with, and I did the sculpt of this, this dragon back, and that was so much fun because its jaw is very much like Predator, where mm-hmm. it's, or it's maybe you could say maybe Predator, or maybe the vampires in Blade Two, where it's like two separate. Sure, pieces, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it opens up the like, whole thing opens yeah. up and rah, yeah, yeah. And that was that was a lot of fun to work on. Same thing in the Strain too. The Strain has a very similar. I think I've seen that kind of thing. Oh, you should. It's Guillermo del Toro. Oh, you got to see the TV series. The first series was really good. Oh, that series. Yeah, the Strain that okay. was on. It was on. FX and, okay. it was, and it was produced by Guillermo yeah. del Toro. He and Chuck Hogan wrote the books, the novels, mm-hmm. and then it was either, either going to be a movie or a TV series, a series of movies or a series of series. And so they did a whole four, first season. David Bradley plays the old man, and okay. there's lots of really good talent in it. And and mm-hmm. the story is is good, and the gore, and they, they right did on. this whole con- the the big the big uh, biology thing with the vampires is it's like mm-hmm. it's like little worms. That get inside of people and kind of transform them from inside out, flush mm-hmm. out all the organs and stuff, and mm-hmm. basically turn them into a blood vessel, um, mm-hmm. a vessel for for blood. And then th- there's the whole split of the jaw mm-hmm. and a stinger, a big like a four foot stinger that mm-hmm. comes out yeah. and can shunk, attach itself um, uh, to the neck like a leech kind of thing, yeah. and uh, just can, can just shunk right and like stab right into the jugular yeah. and just latch on, and then just forcibly just grab all the blood of the body out mm. through the jugular and look right it's pretty cool that is pretty cool yeah but then they got the little worms and sometimes you see them like in people's yeah. eyes and stuff and there was a billboard in sunset for oh yeah a month people were like even with myself, the worm like, oh. yeah the worm pulling that worm out of the eye and it was pretty fu- pretty fucking creepy for an you know cable cable yeah. tv thanks to the walking dead Cable TV has become the kind of stomping ground for yeah. gore and, and horror effects, and it's really cool. That's that's the one place I draw the line because I can't even watch people put on contacts. Oh yeah, Ugh. yeah. There is some eyeball stuff in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's that's the one thing I could take any gore, but when it comes to eyeball stuff, yeah. that's where I draw the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty rough. It's yeah, pretty rough. It's yeah. So, um, what uh, what? Um, so you are working on a project now, and you can't talk about it, and that's cool. Um, so, any any are there any other big big movies or shows or something that you worked on? Uh, you got a hunt, uh, the Snow White and the Huntsman, and and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and right. The next month, I think it's the fifth February fifth. Uh, this movie called The Seventh Son is coming. Yes, out. yes, I've actually seen. And yeah. for a PG thirteen kind of movie. Looks pretty good. I mean, a lot of dragons and big creatures, and yeah. the animation, you know, looks pretty good. Yeah, Maude and the dude are in it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They've done together since the middle. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, that was a lot of fun to work on. I got to do the the two dragons in that. Cool. Well, the, the flying dragons, to be specific. There's one humongous dragon that's just ground based. Yeah, yeah. yeah I the, didn't do that one. Yeah, the, a different studio. Did Almost that. like a behemoth or a behemoth. Leviathan. I don't know. I always forget those big, those old, yeah. those old Hebraic words for big, giant, fuck yeah. off creatures that are either yeah. sea based or land based, but big creatures that come and destroy mm-hmm. and eat people. And right, yeah, that was a cool design too because it has these like weird little like like uh, chain like uh, like things coming out of its wrists, almost like Scorpion in Mortal Kombat. Because uh-huh. it sort of reminds me of it's got these like long chains coming out of its wrist that it can like throw and swing around. At least that's how I understood it from the trailer. So is it like a manacle with a, with a chain or is it like an actual organic whip-like structure? I think it was a I think the character in his human form has like it's more like scorpion where uh, he okay. actually has like a chain but when he becomes a dragon it becomes from the trailer from what I saw it becomes more like an organic version okay. of that. Cool. 
But, cool. And I think there's some really cool trolls in that trailer too. Nice. Which is, yeah. The, the other studio did. I don't know who. We did saw it. a trailer for that before The Hobbit, and we yeah. saw a trailer. We most recently saw a trailer on TV for it, and we're actually like, you know, that actually looks pretty good. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to work on. Very challenging, uh, but yeah, it was quite enjoyable getting to do, to do the two main the dragons that the flying ones, and that was that was very very hard work. And now I also got to do a little bit of environmental work, which I don't get to do as much getting to do a lot of rock formations and things like that, mm-hmm. which was actually what I was doing at my last job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked on... There, it's no secret there's just going to be a, a Jungle Book movie. I was working on the Jungle Book. Sure, yeah, yeah. Doing environments for okay, that. Okay, okay. So it was just basically nothing but rock formations. And it's kind of good, which brings to, brings to mind the idea that it's good to be versatile. Because I love creatures. That's my number one thing that I love to do. I love designing them, sculpting them, whether I design them or not. Mm -hmm. Anybody, Mm -hmm. somebody else does it. But it's good to be uh, versatile. Like, okay, here we have nothing but environments. We want you to sculpt rock formations and trees. Cool, I can do that too. Um, And then another thing, robotic stuff, mechanical things. Sure, yeah. Uh, Which which I would imagine, I would imagine, having no experience in this world realm whatsoever, but I would imagine animating a machine would be much easier than a living being. Because you don't have to worry about skin and muscle. All you have to worry about is joints. Basically, you have a block on a joint that moves. I mean, Transformers different because they they morph and move and twist and turn and stuff in the metal is very fluid. Um, Part of what makes that not as enjoyable to watch. Although... I don't know. Anyway, uh, Brian Brian was really good and really diplomatic about saying, well, you know, people say this movie's bad and that movie's bad, but me as an animator, I want to just go and watch the animation of it. And yeah. I, I want to go and dig, you know, and di- and you know, get my get my techie boner on about, you know, yeah. how they animated this and how they animated that. It's like, no, the script might not be so great and some of the acting mm-hmm. might be whatever, but the and wow, the, that 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 CG work was fantastic. And so yeah. being able to, uh, being an artist and be, being able to appreciate stuff from that level must be kind of liberating in some, yeah. some, some aspects. Yeah. Cause there, there's movies that people don't like that. that I think I like her just because just for the visuals. Sure. Sure. Thing. Exactly. I mean, there's some movies that are just visually stunning and, and mm-hmm. like sky captain, the world of tomorrow, not the greatest story, not necessarily the best kind of, uh, you know, move along kind of script, but man, that movie looked good that every, yeah. all the ships and everything. And just that real kind of, of old world view of the future and that very Jules Verne, H.G. Wells yeah. kind of thing going on, and I really enjoyed yeah. that movie. I, I actually have it. I actually have a DVD of, of Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow just because it was so fun to watch. It was so yeah. good to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it romanticizes certain time periods. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, like, I actually... To admit, I have actually never seen the Transformers movies. Oh. I've never got around to them. There's a lot of movies that I need You're to get around. not missing much. And I've never seen them. My movies. advice, probably just yeah. turn them on and turn the sound off and not worry about the story. Just watch them. Watch the I robots. Watch the robots go at it. Yeah. 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 That's kind of... That reminds me of a... Somebody did like a fan edit of the new Godzilla movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it was on Nerdist, actually. Mm-hmm. Where it's... it's it's just only the scenes with Godzilla yeah, in it. It's eight minutes. And I loved it. <laughs> it's eight minutes. Yeah, it's great. It's great. I you know I enjoyed Godzilla a lot more than other people did, and I was okay with the fact that Godzilla wasn't in that movie a whole lot. If you look at the old Toho films, yeah, you know you have an hour and a half movie, and Godzilla's in it for maybe half an hour. I mean, yeah. it's really much more about the people and the and the drama that's happening, and um, a lot of people had problems with Godzilla, and I actually really enjoyed it. And yeah. and the. the 
God, the creatures and Godzilla and the way that, and then the, just the way that Godzilla kills that last one at the end was just like that was yes! amazing. Just right yeah. down his throat and then just rip its head off and just it's like dropping the mic and walking away. It's like the end of a Chris Rock concert. Yeah, and just walking off, say walking back, walking back into the ocean. That was pretty badass. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I quite like that. that yeah. the whole thing. Plus, I liked his design as well. Sure, it was yeah. really cool. I, I was, <laughs> Although the Japanese make fun of us for having a fat Godzilla because he's really. Yeah. Thick in the neck and bigger around the haunches and stuff. And well, I think what it is is, I, I think maybe if they just made his head larger, it, might, it wouldn't be so obvious. Sure, because he has just a like really tiny little pinhead. Yeah, yeah, it was like, a smaller like, head, it was like yeah. Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, what are you guys doing? Hey, come on. Yeah, that's that. But the face is cool, and I, 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 that's what I always look at. Like, is the creature going to be cool? It's a bit shallow of me, I know, but honestly, like I talk about Alien, how much I love it, but. I probably wouldn't be into it if the creature wasn't so awesome. I just love a cool-looking monster. Oh, yeah, yeah. And for me, that's the pinnacle, yeah. in my opinion. The original, let me specify, the original. Mm-hmm. The sequels, the design, in my opinion, not as good as the original. Growing up in the 70s, there was actually a very, very large, I want to say probably 20, 20, mm-hmm. 20 to 25 inch alien toy. Yeah black with the double fingers and the silver fingernails and the silver teeth and you pull the lever and the thing and it was just god damn that was cool there was also a godzilla toy too that actually had wheels on the bottom of its feet i know but one of his hands would shoot off i remember this he'd flick the thing and his tongue of fire would come out of his mouth and uh that was cool too and then there was also for a while very early on there were very few number of um What's the Japanese word for the giant robot movies? Uh, it's not Tamagotchi. It's there's a, there's a name for that where they the giant fighting robot. Yeah. There's a genre name for that genre. Yeah. There was a little bit of that bleeding over into America mm-hmm. in the seventies and early eighties, mm-hmm. and um, we always had Godzilla movies. Um, and but then there was a there was a a, a giant. Japanese giant fighting robot, the mm-hmm. same size as yeah. the, and made by the same toy company yeah. as the Godzilla, yeah. and it had wheels on, and its arm would shoot off yeah. and everything, and it had a big sword, mm-hmm. and it was like it was kind of like a Transor Z or one of those yeah. type of giant, um, but it was this Japanese robot, and it was this, and we make him fight and stuff. And yeah. So there was a little bit of that kind of bleeding through earlier than people remember, yeah. think of, or w- would think about, because mm-hmm. in the mid eighties. We got tons of anime in in America, yeah. um, all the way from well, Sandy Frank Presents was here in the seventies as yeah. well. But then you got Robotech and Transor Z and and Voltron, both Voltrons and all of that yeah. was all coming over here. And there was this huge influx of anime on being shown yeah. on TV. That was surprising because, as I remember, anime as I'm, I like some anime. I'm not. I'm not as well versed in it. I'm pretty ignorant on a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I Me just, too. Me too. Yeah, and I, I remember it being more of an underground thing. It's like you have to kind of like know somebody who knew somebody. There were certain shows that really captured my imagination, and it was very shrewd of Sandy Frank when he adapted mm-hmm. Gotcha Man into Battle of the Planets to use well-known cartoon American cartoon voice yeah. actors, um, uh, uh, Casey Kasem and um, really? uh, um, shit, what's her name? It wasn't June Foray? It was the the same the the. The voice over actress who did uh, Judy Jetson on the Jetsons okay. played Princess, mm-hmm. and then you had Alan Young mm-hmm. um, also um, playing Seven's Arc Seven, which was only yeah. in the American version. 
Um, but it was very smart on their part to, to cast those people to do those that cartoon because there was this nice transition. Now, Speed Racer was here even, I want to say, uh, even in the 60s, but I never watched Speed Racer. I never yeah. watched Speed Racer. I didn't ever watch Speed Racer until much later. Yeah. So, but yeah, Battle of the Planets was, and I wanted to be Mark, and I had my towel around my neck with yeah. a safety pin, and that's something that I had fat, you know, made out of soap or something mm-hmm. to be a, a Whirly Bird boomerang and all yeah. that stuff. So, yeah, that mm-hmm. was some cool shit. Not even knowing that the the Japanese version was incredibly violent and bloody, and 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 you weren't sure if Zoltar was a man or a woman, and there was actually brother and sister, and uh-huh. they never explained that, and you know, because sometimes his, it, there was a little bit of a gloss to his lips, and he had slight breasts, and mm-hmm. it was just always Zoltar with the same voice, ah, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, I never, I, I've gotten into some anime, but more of the recent stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But even even actually now I think about the more recent stuff is still like probably ten years old at this point. Yeah, I mean most of my anime experiences is very is very old. I, I've seen a few of the major iconic works: yeah. your Akira's, your Ghost in the Shell, your Vampire Hunter D, and the follow up. I, re- I love the follow. That's the one I was actually referring to because I, I actually I know probably a real anime fans be like, "What are you? This is stupid." That one, that's the one you're going to choose. But yeah, yeah, I yeah. actually do like that one. I yeah. like I like the story of it. It had a pretty cool story. And, oh, yeah. And, of course, I mean, you know, visually it was amazing. I th- sure. I think, I could be wrong, it might have been the same guy who did, did Ninja Scroll. I'm not sure. I mean, just... Somebody by, out there is probably screaming, yeah. going, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. By, by, Ash, Ash was the bigger anime person than, than oh, yeah. me. My son and my stepdaughter, actually, Trevor, my son Trevor, he was never into anime that much. Yeah. But our my stepdaughter has actually gotten him into watching stuff. And he watches this these two shows... One of them is like a school of rich kids. It's like a Japanese, you know, it's like a, an American school with a bunch of rich kids that wear uniforms, and there's something about the rich kids having to act like poor kids, or some vice yeah. versa, or one kid having to act like a rich kid to be part of this club or something. And then there's this other show that's all these swimming guys on a swim team running around in speedos all the time, and all these real mm-hmm. kind of dreamy girl dream shots of them lying in the sun and the sun glistening on their skin and stuff like that and it's like okay sure we're not <laughs> yeah one thing i really admire uh, anime for is taking animation to to being something that it's not just for kids yeah um, america has has gotten to that point now but they are among the first to do that. It's, it's not just—it's just a different form of yeah. telling a story. Even it, even as a teen, I got teased for for liking yeah. Battle of the Planets or watching cartoons. Yeah. Like you get to a certain age, you're not supposed to watch cartoons. Yeah. Like, well, fuck that. I like them, and I'm going right. to continue to watch them. I don't care. I'm going to—I got—I got teased mercilessly by kids at school and by my stepbrothers for liking Tom and Jerry and and mm-hmm. Bugs Bunny and still wanting to watch it. Even for watching Doctor Who and watching G Force and blah blah blah. Yeah. And, oh, are you watching Gay Force again? I'm just like fuck you i like what i like yeah. why don't you go watch another football game you know? right i'm just like yeah i i, I i'm glad that that nerd culture has kind of come to the forefront when become mainstream because yeah. we now we get big budget versions of these things that we love and i think that's, that's great but i'm i'm wondering 10 years from now if everybody's going to be sick to death of comic book movies and it's all going to come crashing down yeah, and go back to the way it was before cuz yeah. you know how the mainstream has its fads and has its mm-hmm. has its fleeting flights of fancy and, yeah. and it's going to it's going to go away in a big way probably at some point but so enjoy it while it's here yeah you know? and we'll be back to to you know masturbating in our mom's basement again so um <laughs> wait did i say that out loud um <laughs> 
So yep. uh, we're we're uh, over an hour twenty. Uh, what what are you? What's out right now, or what have you seen in the last few months, or something that's coming around the corner that you're really excited about? That's in you know any form of media, audio, visual, or internet, or anything mm-hmm. anything that you've seen that was really exceptional to you, or that you recommend for people. Um. Something that I would recommend to people. Uh, I, I've really gotten into this one website called Channel Awesome, mm-hmm. and it just it's a it's a whole network of. Actually, we were talking about anime earlier. One of the reviewers reviews anime, which is great because it's a great way for me, who's completely ignorant on the subject, to say, "Hey, oh, this is good or this is bad." Right, right. He's known as the Sage. I forgot his full name. Okay, but okay. I really dig this. So this it's channel. kind of a kind of an anime review website or recommendation well, website. That or... particular show. That's actually just one of the many shows oh, okay. that Channel Awesome has. It's like there's the Nostalgia Critic, and um, uh, there's all kinds of movie review people. Some of them specify, like one of them specifies in an anime, and there's another guy I, on there on that channel called uh, the Happy Viking. We just he just specifies on metal because that's something else that I really love talking about and hearing. He introduced me to this new band called uh, Noble Beast, this really awesome power metal band from I can't remember where they're from, but they're from uh, somewhere here in the, in the U.S. But okay. I never would have known about them. Uh, we'll definitely put up a link in the recommendations for that. Man. Yeah, they're a great band. Just. Cool. Uh, if you're into power metal, that is sure, sure, sure. Because there's you know different many different subgenres of metal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a friend who, I, well, you know Angela and Jean, and they're yeah. really into into speed metal, yeah. and they're really into black metal as well. Yeah. The Norwegian and Japanese, yeah, black metal. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I metal was never one of the. Well, okay, I was going to Christian schools and was people were putting the fear of God that it's devil's music and it's all blah blah blah, and then I got to the point where I'm just like. But I like Stairway to Heaven, and I don't care if you play right. it backwards and it said, you know, Hail Satan or whatever. I don't care about that. I like the music. It's good music. I'm going to listen to what I want. Yeah. But that thing about heavy metal music, because of that, I kind of missed that formative time of metal in the 80s. Yeah. What was kind of ignoring it or, or specifically kind of shirking it. So yeah. it never kind of grabbed me. Now I kind of go back, and it all looks so quaint and kind of fun and just, mm. you know, it, it, the musicianship and all that is outstanding. But to me, the whole notion of mu- music being satanist or bad for you and some music mm-hmm. being bad for you in some way it was it seems very silly to me now and now mm-hmm. i look at metal you know the metal thing is as kind of a a quaint concept for me personally yeah. i know a lot of people take it very seriously and everything like that and there's nothing i'm god yeah, knows yeah, there's things i take seriously but yeah but yeah the whole metal thing was just like it's just rock and roll just having fun yeah Exactly. So what what uh, you said uh, power metal. So what what's the what would be some of the big power metal bands to educate me on uh, genre well, a bit? I'm gonna say well one of my favorites is Manowar. Manowar. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Uh, I know a lot of the names. Yeah. I'm just not familiar with the music. So. Uh, bands like Hammerfall. Hammerfall. And there's also this one another one I discovered recently from Greece called uh, Crosswind. Oh, interesting. Excellent band. Nice. Uh, I, I know, like, I know some people actually kind of make make fun of me for liking power metal because because <laughs> it's, it's not it's not. Well, like, it's very theatrical, de- isn't it? Well, yeah, some of it. Yeah, and it, it also tends to be a lot more like the high pitched singing, the yeah. screaming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. a lot of them, like people, they make fun of me, like, oh, because it's so positive, and that's another reason I like it. That the lyrics tend to be very positive. Okay. About okay. you know believing yourself, being powerful, you know. Cool. And you know, finding the strength within yourself, as opposed to like a lot of those. Spend time with your mother, because right? you won't be around forever. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised that it's so. <laughs> 
sub, uh, sub, sub I don't genre. mean to make fun. I'm just, yeah. you know, just kind of. It's cool in Greek, isn't it? No. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, okay, so and uh, anything else? Music, uh, movies, TV, anything? Internet, uh, video games? You play video games at all? Oh yeah, um, I'm kind of well, yeah with video games. I'm sort what are you of, balls deep in right now, video game wise. Oh, I'm 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 a, I'm a total Johnny come lately to this, but I'm right now I'm really into the God of War series. Okay, okay, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about that. I mean, it only came out in 2005. Yeah, yeah but yeah. just now I. I mean, I came really late to the party for Skyrim, and now yeah. I'm playing it. I I switched from PS3. Mm-hmm. And I got a gaming computer, yeah. and I started it over again, and now I'm balls deep in Skyrim all over yeah. again. I mean, I played 360 hours the first time, and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to beat that. I know I'm going to beat that right. the second time, because I'm going through each guild one by one, mm-hmm. starting at the, with the first quest of okay. that guild, and go, reaching all the way to the end time, the highest level you can be in that guild, wow. and then going on to the next one. I started with Thieves, I'm going through Dark Brotherhood, and actually I think I'm almost done with Dark Brotherhood, now I'm going to head up to Winterhold and go to the college and do the ma- whole mage Full thing until I'm, I'm the ar- arc mage, and I'm just going to keep going, because the thing I found with Skyrim... Once you've maxed out a skill, you can't really earn. You can't really level up anymore. You have to yeah. move on to a different skill set. Yeah. So I'm trying to smith, and I'm trying to and doing that. I found the alchemy thing a little bit tedious, but yeah. I like the smithing part because I like being able to work on uh, Daedric and, and Ebony and Daedric mm-hmm. weapons. Those are the, I, I'm the bow and arrow thing. I'm really huge on the bow and arrow because I love to get to the point where you just walk into place and you're surrounded by people and you just go shunk down, shunk down, yeah. shunk, shunk down, shunk down. Right. Okay. Clean out the treasure. Leave. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've I've sort of come come late to this series, but it's a, it's a really fun game to play. I've I've played and beaten all all six of them, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I guess there's also a bit of a bias because it's based in ancient Greece. Sure, sure. So it's like I, I kind of like I sort of enjoy it on that level, even though they they twist the mythology a whole lot, but. It's forgivable to me. It's like I don't expect them to get it right. Like, look, it's based on those old movies, like the Clash of the Titans. Sure, yeah, all the all the Argonauts, yeah. and yeah, yeah, it's based on all that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. there's no cracking in Greek mythology. That's no, Norse. No, no, you know, but it, it, so it doesn't try to be accurate. Although it, it I, I notice that it tries to sort of respect the mythology somewhat to a degree. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I, I like it for its attempt. But really, the game is so much fun to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got you're just such so powerful as that character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there were this. there were there were a lot of video games uh, on earlier much earlier um, gaming systems mm-hmm. that dealt with Greek mythology, and I really mm-hmm. liked those. Like there was one called Flight of Icarus, mm-hmm. I think, and then there was another one called um, what was the other one? There was a Hercules game before. Or around the time that the Hercules Disney movie came out, okay. there were two different Hercules games. There was one yeah. that was the Disney movie, and there was one that wasn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, those were pretty good, and I like those games where you're kind of going around and you know beating up Cyclopses and yeah. Gorgons and, and stuff like that. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But I always loved those movies, Those anything that had to do with Greek mythology, any of the mm-hmm. Ray Harryhausen stuff. Talking about classic animation, yep. and I think yeah. I think in the much of the way that Stan Winston is, is the practical makeups and creature yeah. effects... Ray Harryhausen was like the forerunner of, of yeah. animation and, and really was on everyone's mind as the that was kind of like the pinnacle of that art form. Yeah, he was one of the first people to actually make those characters act. Yeah, exactly. The skeleton army in yeah. uh, in um, was it Clash of the Titans or was it Jason and the Argonauts? One of those Jason movies. And the yeah, are. yeah. Yep. Yeah, and then well, yeah. I mean, that was the 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 Cer- not Cerberus the. What was the character with the devil horns in Clash of the Titans, um, who was the the brother of 
the one who kidnapped uh, Andromeda or whatever oh, her name it, was. Is he Hades kidnapped Persephone? Yeah, I think they changed it though. They gave oh. him a different name or something. They did that a lot. But anyway, they, 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 they had that actor playing the character in the makeup. Yeah. And then when they would pull back, they would animate that character because the tail and all that yeah. stuff. And and yeah, yeah, you're right. He would make those 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 characters act. And that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. Yeah, he was one of the first people to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but uh, yeah, that's that's right now the main game I, I've played. But you probably, you know me for, for a few years, you know I'm also a huge fan of the Silent Hill games. Oh, yeah, I those love are, Silent Hill, yeah. Silent Hill 2 is my probably all-time favorite game. Came out two thousand one. Still my all time favorite game. Nice, yeah, that's and, a good one. Yeah, I yeah. played that several times through, and yeah. it still holds up. Yeah, I've never been so scared playing a game. Yeah, my hands were shaking the first time. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. The sounds, mm-hmm. and then the static starts coming over that radio, yeah. and you're like, oh shit, something's there, but I don't know where it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, I'm excited about the new one. Yeah, you know, now that I think of it, yeah, your work has some of that kind of element in it. Oh too. right, yeah. yeah, that kind of again, I'm probably using the wrong word, but anamorphic where they. Yeah, my my earlier work definitely I was heavily influenced by the art of Masahiro Ito. He's the guy who designed the creatures for sure. the first three games. Right, great artist. Yeah, um, but yeah, he he was just yeah his stuff. And I've, I'd never seen anything like that before because they were they were so simple yet so terrifying. Oh yeah, they didn't have teeth or claws no, or weird mouths. No, they, they, they had were, no mouths, no. no claws. They were just like these. I'd never seen anything like that. Or it was a terrifying. giant knife, pyramid head. Oh my god, what a crazy yeah. concept that was. And such a simple design yeah. too. A little rapey yeah. at times, but you know, yeah. but still terrifying. Yeah, although it was actually suggested because you actually never see anything actually happen. Yeah, yeah. It's just very suggested based on James's frustration and guilt at the time. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah, that was how that was such a great design, and when, a lot of people don't realize um, Masahiro Ito's intention, as I understand it, that's not a helmet he's wearing. That is his head. His, his head, yeah. Because there's actually, in that in that first fight scene, if he grabs you, you see a tongue come out of his helmet. Yeah. yeah. Like this, this Doesn't it like come tongue. out and lip, lip, lick your face or something like that? It's or? implied. Yeah. But, but this black tongue comes out, which is so weird, but that is in fact his head. But yeah. in the movies, which I was kind of disappointed with. It was with, a helmet, yeah. yeah. It was this metal helmet. I like the design change. I can go for hours about the, 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 the differences of the design. Because I study these things obsessively. Sure, of course, like you do, because you're a nerd yeah. like me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I like both designs, but I like the simplicity of the game versions better because mm-hmm. I think it allows your mind to make up more, which which is your, what your brain come up with is way scarier than anything oh, I sure. or anybody could show you. Sure. Uh, one of my favorite movies is Jacob's Ladder because that movie... Actually, it's he- actually that movie heavily influenced Silent Hill, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Heavily. Yeah. The look of it and the feel, even the music sometimes. Yeah. Um, but that there's there, you see something for a split second, like they do this thing with a camera, the head shaking really fast. They just take certain frames right, out. Right, right, right. That is terrifying. It's simple, and you don't know what you just saw. Yeah, and yeah. they don't they don't show it again. It's up to your imagination to fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the guys who made Silent Hill, they knew that. And of course, being influenced by such movies like that, and in David Lynch as well. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Eraserhead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm really excited about the new one because I know Guillermo del Toro was involved in the new one. In the new... The new Silent Hill. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then Norman Reedus is going to be the main character. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I know him from Boondock Saints. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I never saw Boondock Saints, but obviously I know him from Walking Dead, even though I don't yeah. really watch Walking Dead anymore. But, but yeah, Norman Reedus is definitely in, 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 uh, definitely ups the ante. He's, he's mm-hmm. good at, at playing that character who's beset by unimaginable horror uh, you know mm-hmm. just kind of set upon by that and having to having yeah. to cope and deal through and fight through that so 
He definitely yeah. that definitely lends itself to Silent Hill very well. Mm-hmm. And I think isn't it called Silent Hills? Isn't that yeah. what they're calling it? Yeah. Curious about that. And yeah. Kojima is it's he's working with Guillermo del Toro. Cool. I think well, yeah. Guillermo always yeah. his mind is amazing, and he he just mm-hmm. always adds has such amazing uh, ideas. Yeah. Um, and I you know I love Pac Rim, and I love uh, you know. Uh, there's just so much of his stuff that's so good. You got to see the Strain, man. It's so good. I'm hoping it'll be on. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's coming to Netflix actually. Okay. Um, but yeah, you got to see the Strain. Mm-hmm. It's. It's. And that's. That's going to be my recommendation. Okay. If you haven't seen it yet, go back and watch the Strain. You're going to have to cringe your way through the eyeball stuff, but <laughs> it's. It's worth it. It's so good. It's so well done. Because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of stories that are like that. You know, modern modern day age, some ancient evil comes, yeah. and the old guy who confronted it the first time comes back, and yeah. that's a that's a common. Thing things like the keep and kind of other works oh, yeah, like that. I love the keep. Yeah, it's very it has a lot of similarities to that. Okay. You know, ancient thing that was the origin for the vampire legends. Yeah. The, the real version of that is here, and there's an old man who has to fight it, and there's Nazis involved, and because oh, a lot of that stuff. It's a the the whole Nazi World War Two is a really good way to kind of bridge time between the old world and the new world, and mm-hmm. and and. Bring it's still within a modern context. It's an older thing, even though World War Two now a lot of a lot of the vets are die, have died off. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it's still a good way to bridge that from old to new. So mm-hmm. it's a good it's a good uh, thematic uh, uh, device in the writing and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, uh, go ahead and plug your stuff. Where can people find you online? Uh, find your work. Uh, I don't really have a, anything to promote, really. Um, but I just have. Do you have any kind of public interfaces on the internet at all, other than the, your your uh, um, DeviantArt? You said DeviantArt's all really all I got. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I have to keep it simple. Okay. Cool. Yeah, people usually find me on there, and uh, you know they, they they like my work. They comment on it. Sure. And what's I, your What's your handle on there again? Say it again. Uh, Mavros Thanatos. M a v r o s dash t h a n a t o s. Okay. There you go. And yeah. say it one more time. Mavros Thanatos. Ah, that's lovely. I, I would never be able to say it that well. <laughs> um, so, and okay, so um, so that's where you find you online. Good. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, St. Michael on Twitter. That's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L. You can find us online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook and Google+. Check out our blog and listen to pa- past episodes. Please listen to past episodes on WordPress. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. And remember, please be kind. The Something Something Experience podcast was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Cesari. You can find us everywhere online as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, WordPress, and YouTube. Please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Google+. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind. <laughs>